This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlotte? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. That's good. It's another gray day. It's a little yeah. low-hanging clouds at my place. Yes. Still have some soggy snow on the ground, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it feels it's feeling like spring is in the air. I'm getting the longer day feel. I know my plants are kind of perking up here in my window, so I, I'm feeling pretty good about where we're where we are at the end of Jan of the yeah, end of January. Yeah, yeah, end of January. It's hard to believe here we are. Yeah, the 27th, another first month of uh, 12 have has gone by almost already. It's yeah, just yeah. Saying how quickly that can happen. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do the numbers and then I'll yeah, I was tell everybody ask you if you all the announcements? But uh, yes, I will do the numbers right now. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. But if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, this is the number you want to use because it's toll free. 1-866-740-4740. And do let Ashy know if you're a first time caller because then she'll let us know and I will give you your garden wings. We want you to call often. Call early, and please, one question per call. We would love that. Okay, so what do you got? There's some special things happening on the show today. I was going to say, we've got some great stuff going on. So this is going to be a very exciting show, but I will mention some upcoming events. Uh, The Agent Court Garden Club will be meeting via Zoom on February the 12th. So it's kind of an interesting meeting because uh, they have a couple of members who are in Bermuda and they're going to be Zooming from Bermuda presenting Bermuda Blooms, which Ooh. sounds pretty fun. They'll be Ooh. That's at a 6 p.m. on February 12th. If you'd like to join in, because anybody is welcome to join into this Zoom event, I do have the Zoom meeting information. So you could email me for that or you could give Cheryl a, a a quick email, Cheryl with a C, Cheryl.Penner, P-E-N-N-E-R, at hotmail.com. So that's uh, Agent Court. Burlington Horticultural Society will be meeting on Valentine's, Wednesday, February 14th. Again, that's uh, a Zoom event. Michael Erdman is, again, doing a travel documentary called Visiting Gardens of Bangkok and Singapore. Mm. If you'd like to participate in that Zoom event and learn more about those gardens, uh, just quick email to burlhortsock at gmail.com. So B-U-R-L for Burlington, burlhort, H-O-R-T-S-O-C at gmail.com. 
My goodness, Bermuda, Bangkok, Singapore. It's an exotic <laughs> but, month coming up. I know. Those those horse societies, they really like to, you know, push the envelope when it comes to you know, the unusual and the the odd and the unusual. Speaking of which, not you know, company accepted, of course. <laughs> we um, we have <laughs> Stephen Biggs who will be joining us to talk about the odd and unusual. He is the fig pig, and we've got Fig listeners, fig growers who asked questions over the last few weeks. So Stephen's going to be joining mm-hmm. us about halfway through the show. So if you've got fig questions or anything you're wondering about regarding growing edibles, any kind of edibles, whether it's exotic figs or your basic cauliflower, <laughs> keep your questions for when when uh, Stephen joins us at uh, 9.30. Sweet. And I want to uh, give you a shout out because uh, last Monday... I joined uh, the Zoom meeting for your soil, your sexy soil uh, uh, thing that you were doing with the Midland uh, yes. cult. I think it was the Mid- Midland Hort. Yes, it was. Cultural Midland Hort, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was lots of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. That's I, good. Uh, it was great. Yeah, I never know. Zooms are funny, eh? Because it's me talking to my computer. Like, yes. I, you know, who knows who's out there? I mean, I can yeah. see there's a number of participants, but otherwise, you know, they're, they're all muted and their cameras are off mm-hmm. and, and I'm just, you know, yammering to myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I and I have done them uh, from an entertainment point of view. Uh, they're not my preference, uh, but they work and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. You know, yeah, I good. was. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it very much. So uh, cheers to you. And you learned some stuff, too, I hope. I did. I did. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I did. There. Absolutely. Good. Okay, we are going to go to our first break, but do give us a call. Okay, uh, we are, we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, frogs, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. The gentleman is right. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Absolutely. And uh, we were just saying uh, when we were off the air there that it is becoming a busy, busy time. There are shows coming up. The uh, the uh, Orchid Show is coming up. And actually, Terry Kennedy, who is that great, great Orchid expert, is going to be on the show next week, right? She's mm-hmm. joining us February the 3rd. Yes, she'll be with us for the whole show next week. So Orchid questions, start writing them down now for for Terry next week. I mean, I know about orchids, but what I know goes in a thimble compared to what Terry knows about orchids. Right, so, and the and, um, orchid show and sale is on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. That's February 10th and 11th. That's, yeah, um, Saturday, so, Sunday. That's yeah. the Southern Ontario Orchid Society annual show. It is so beautiful. It's just a really beautiful to see and fragrant and full, so much expertise all happening at the Toronto Botanical Gardens both days. Um, you can buy supplies. You can talk to experts. You can buy little tiny seedling orchids and then grow yep. them up to be big orchids. All kinds of cool stuff. Well, big and I orchids. actually, I'm I'm planning on being there to that uh, because uh, I'm going to be in Toronto because my uh, daughters are uh, meeting down there. I'm taking my youngest daughter down there for a Raptors game that weekend, mm. and so I am going to take in the orchid show. Nice, that's great. Right. You'll love it. I wish I could be with you, but. I won't actually be in Canada for that event. So I'll tell everybody a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, we will have a couple of weeks where I'm not here. Okay. Let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Lindsay on the line, and she's calling from Owen Sound. Welcome to the Garden Show, Lindsay. Oh, hi. Hi. Is this Dean? It is. Can I just ask you, Dean, 
Have you ever performed at the Drayton Festival Theater? In the oh, little community yes, I have of a Drayton? number of times. Ah, in Dufferin County? Um, I hear you talk uh, I about... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, I, yeah, I have performed for Drayton a number of times over the years, going back over 20 years ago, my goodness. Oh, yeah, well, my <laughs> grandparents lived in that area and right out of town. It used to be yes, called oh, the yeah. Gaiety Theater, I think, when it opened. Mm-hmm. It's just their small little Indeed. community. Yeah, how's Owen Sound doing today? What's your temperatures like? Yeah, well, I'm down in the city right at the moment, but uh, we oh. lived in uh, Owen Sound all our lives. I'm up there still, and we visited, We used to go to Drayton to visit my mother's family. Very but, good. Nice little town. Yeah, nice little town. very nice. I wanted you to ask Charlie about Canada Well, you go ahead. Blues. I'll tell you what, Lindsay, you go ahead and ask her to yourself, okay? I'm yeah. listening. Good morning. Yeah, hi there, Charlie. I'm wondering, uh, you are so involved with Canada Blooms. Would you know mm. if that might be coming back? Somebody told me <sighs> they'd heard a rumor that it might be uh, brought back next year or something. I thought that they were supposed to be back this year, and yet, doing a quick search on their website, it appears that, no, they continue to be on hiatus. Um it is a huge, huge show, and there's an awful lot of work that goes into the before the show, yeah. <laughs> like months and months and months of work. So it appears that I mean, I'm just um, that they that Canada Blooms was created as a horticultural society because it was uh, based on what they do in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Flower Show, oh. and. Um, they, if you want to stay in touch with Canada Blooms, you can join the Canada Blooms Horticultural Society. You can also follow them on Facebook. Uh, it, yeah, on Facebook here it's saying returning spring 2024, and yet there's nothing going on there. Uh, uh, you know what? At this point, I would say no, there is no Canada Blooms, but uh, not this year anyway. I know the intention is to is to not go away, but to come back at some point. So um, when you were there, we'll, we'll, we met you a couple of times when you were so involved oh. with it. Yes, I was very involved. I was the horticultural director for 12 years. So, yes, I did yeah. all the plants. And okay. I did a lot of speaking I engagements love you, there and as I well. Missed, uh, we miss Franklin so much. Yeah. yeah Franklin yeah. Proctor. It's, uh, okay, Charlie. It, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks for Jean. asking. And I, I'll see if I can find out any more information um, from the people that are still there. Fabulous. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. 416360. 0740, that's the Toronto number, or 1-866-744-740. And right now we're going to go to Newmarket. We have Jean on the line. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Good morning. This is your number one fan who was front and center in front of her computer. It's Jean. <laughs> and Last week I, you were one of the special guests at the Midland Hort Society, weren't you? Well, I don't know. I was one of them anyway, but... Um, yeah. I'm amazed how you bring horticulture to life. This is your novice that started during COVID. And mm. now I look at my plant stand and I look at my, what, about nine plants in all. They're your You're plants, nice. Charlie. You've kept them alive <laughs> for me. And the soil yeah. thing, I learned a lot. Um, I, I just was amazed how you took it so seriously. 
seriously. <laughs> and that I mean as a compliment, okay? I, um, well, I know it's trying to convince others to to see my vision of, of the fascination of soil. And, of course, that's why I call it sexy soil, because soil is so not sexy. <laughs> yeah, but without it, nothing will grow. And I found that out firsthand. <laughs> um, yeah. please, my question is, when can I trim back spirea? Uh, do you have any, what color does it bloom or what kind of spirea is it, you know? Oh, I don't know. It's white. White and with it, little flowers? Yeah, yes, probably. little flowers that drape down on a, on a long stem. Nice. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so it could be a bridal wreath spirea or it could be um, what's called snow, I was going to say snowflake. It's not snowflake, but there's a snow. Um, with those spirea, what I trim them in the spring. You can trim them in the fall if that's more convenient for you, like fall once we've had a couple of good frosts. But frankly, I just leave them alone all, all winter, let them do their thing, and then in the spring do a hard pruning. So that's getting out your shears and doing like a real haircut. Some shrubs like lilacs, we don't want to give haircuts. We want to be very specific, prune out certain branches, maintain a certain framework. But no, spirea, just a haircut and it's a it, you but usually they're trimmed into kind of a mound shape a rounded shape and that way you do that early in the spring just when they're waking up and then they bloom on all their new growth so the new growth starts to grow and when it flowers a month or so later it is just a mass of beautiful flowers mass of color great when you say early spring does that go by the temperature yes so early spring it could be you're in new market so where you are it's probably early may might even be mid-may depending on the kind of spring we have uh could be april if it suddenly gets really warm strangely so it's just when like you will see when spirea is waking up you will see tiny tiny little tiny green um feathery buds opening and little oh. feathery leaves just starting to grow and you know that's the day you prune like that that day or the day before so I'm going to have to get up close and personal to look at that. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> That's the best way to have a healthy garden is always, always try to daily get up close and personal with your garden. Oh, boy. Okay. Thank you, Charlie, very much. Take care. Bye. Thanks for calling. Bye. Now, Charlie. Charlie, I have to disagree with you. I think that soil, you made it sound very sexy. And I, you know what, I, I, I think it's one of the things it is and definitely one of the things that we take for granted because it's just there all the time and we don't really think much of it. And, you know, and then once you really start to understand it, it, I found it fascinating, you know, personally, how much organic material there is in that top crust of our earth, you know? And what it's composed of, right? Yeah. We, we, we don't even think, like, we think, oh, yeah, worms or leaves or whatever. There's so much more going on in terms yeah. of organic material and, and how long it's been there and how composted or not composted it is, right? Decomposed or not mm -hmm. decomposed and, and the impact that it has. It is, I, yeah, I find soil extremely fascinating. It's, and it's so microscopic, a lot of it, but it's, uh, it's magic. Uh, a healthy soil is is just magic. It's alive. It's alive with so much going on and so much support of life. 
Well, I'm with Gene. I found it completely fascinating, and it really opened my eyes, and it just made me more interested than I already am. So I, uh, I congratulate you on, and I think it's a great name because it pulls everybody in. You go, oh, as soon as you put the word "sexy" on it, it's like, of course. <laughs> I, well, you know, speaking of Canada Blooms, I used to mm-hmm. do a lot of speaking there, and I did have a speaking engagement once on the subject of soil. So I could have a, a be up there talking about how to grow a beautiful container garden and 150 people would show up. I'm standing up there talking about how important soil is. And I think six people showed up. Like right. It's just so uncool. So the next time I did a soil thing, I did. I was like, why is soil sexy anyway? Like it was like promoted as something where people are, what, what, what don't I know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way to do it. It's it, it really is because it, it once you get in there, it truly is fascinating. So I. Mm. Uh, I loved how you, uh, because it was sexy, I love how you stripped down the layers, as it were. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Ooh, add that in. There you go. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, well, we're nearing the half-hour mark. We should uh, have Stephen Biggs with us very shortly, the fig expert. We'll talk more about him. Uh, do give us a call, 416 360 0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on this final Saturday of January 2024, which is just a bit crazy to me how quickly the uh, the time, it just seems like the other day we were ushering in the top of the year, and here we are at the end of the first month. I know, I know. I think that's an indication of us getting older. <laughs> Probably. Sorry, what was your name again? <laughs> and wiser. <laughs> yes, right. Okay, so um, I'm going to hand it over to you to uh, introduce our guest, Charlie. Yes. How would you like to do that? Well, thank you. Um, I Maybe, Dean, I'll get you to do the numbers at some point just to yeah. remind people because we don't have anybody online right now. I think they're all very excited. They've got pencils and pens poised to take notes because we have a very special guest I'd like to, uh, to welcome to the Garden Show, Stephen Biggs. He is a horticulturist, he's an author, and he's a journalist specializing in food gardens. And good morning, Stephen. Are you there? Hey, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you. It's You're great right. to be here. Yeah, and Stephen's talking to us from North York. Dean's in Collingwood, and I'm in Prince Edward County. So this is the magic of technology that we're all together on a winter's day talking about growing edible gardens. I love it. So listen, Stephen, I have had a few callers in the last, just even the last few weeks, asking about figs. And then I thought... Well, I even mentioned you on the show because I've got in my hand a book called Growing Figs in Cold Climates, 150 of Your Questions Answered by the Famous Stephen Biggs, which is you, of course. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of this book, let's just right off the bat, how can anybody get this book? It's on my website, and my website is foodgardenlife.com. Right. One word, foodgardenlife.com. So they can buy this book, have it in their hot little hands so that they can answer their own questions or you can answer their questions for them. But here's my most recent question. It was actually just last week. Hazel called to Mississauga and she mentioned that a neighbor had given her a fig tree this past 
um, autumn. Uh, it was about two feet tall. It came with leaves and obviously in a pot. And she has it inside her house. It has since dropped all its leaves. But I think, as I recall, because I didn't write too great of notes here, it, it was in the process of growing leaves back, but she wasn't too sure what to do. So what would a person do if they were currently sitting with a fig tree in a pot in their home? I suggest that she get it into a cooler temperature because she had it in regular room temperature. Okay. Well, Hazel, so you haven't done anything wrong. And the thing with the fig tree is that it can go dormant. So if you grow them somewhere tropical, they'll actually grow all year, but they can go dormant. And that's the easiest way to do things here in, in Ontario, because we have these cold winters, not many people have greenhouses. So if they go dormant, they're far easier to take care of. So what I do with my potted figs, I leave them out into the fall Days are getting shorter, the weather gets cooler, they drop their leaves, and then when they're dormant, you can just store them somewhere cool, like in your cold cellar, and, and it's much easier that way. But what if you don't have a cold cellar? Well, good question. So I also uh, keep fig trees in my garage, much to the chagrin of my family, because the car doesn't go in there. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You have a lot, have though. How many figs do you have? Oh, gosh, I've got 25 plus, and that's, that's <laughs> down from a few years ago. I was over 50 fig trees, so I think all the neighborhood thought I was a bit crazy. Uh, right. They've talked that the, for years, Stephen. There's nothing then there, there was the impending divorce, and so we got rid of half the figs, yes? <laughs> exactly. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so garage, but what about if you're free? Like, what if it's 20 below outside and 10 below in your garage? Is that too okay, cold for figs? So. Good question. And maybe what I should do is back up a little bit. So the neat thing about figs is that, so they're, they're not hardy here in Ontario, mm -hmm. but they do take quite a bit of cold. And uh, so you can go below freezing with a fig tree. So all that we have to do here is just moderate those cold temperatures in the winter. We can still give them cold. So if your garage freezes, it could be okay. If it goes to minus 20, in the garage, that's a problem. But a yeah. lot of garages that are attached to homes, they don't don't get that cold. And so mm -hmm. they can work really well. Or maybe you have a, a sunroom. I have a little shed behind my house that's insulated and I have a light stand in there and I keep it cool. It's good for figs. So, so think about different places you have. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have somewhere like that to keep your dormant fig through the winter. Or there's a whole other approach. And I don't know if you're ready for me to talk about that yet, but you sure, can go ahead. outside too. Well, if you don't have anywhere inside, then you can keep your fig tree outside. And, and a lot of people will be familiar with this idea of tipping over a fig tree for the winter. And mm -hmm. what happens is if you leave it standing up in our cold winters here, the top will die back. But the roots mm -hmm. survive, but we don't want the top to die back because we want mm -hmm. figs. So what you do is you, you chop the roots on one side of the tree and you actually tip it over. Use the remaining no. roots like a hinge. You tip this Crazy. thing over and then you insulate it. And, and in doing so, it still freezes in the winter, but you've moderated the winter extremes because soil temperature doesn't swing around as much as air temperature. And now your fig will survive the winter. So that's just one. I've got a couple other crazy things going on. I'll tell you in a second. But 
Does that make sense so far? Yeah, so you mound a bunch of soil and straw and leaves and everything up over top of the tipped over fig and it's half of its roots, which are sticking up in the air at this point. Exactly, exactly. So what I do is I use a lot of straw in my garden, so I have straw bales around. So I put straw bales over top Mm. of this fig. But (laughs) a lot of people will cover it with a board and soil. Some people, if you're in a colder climate, you might want it a little bit below ground. So some people dig just a little bit of a a trench and tip it into there and then cover it. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. If you're in a slightly warmer area, maybe you could just mound leaves over top. Right. So, Stephen, uh, I've told Charlie before on the show that we had a a neighbor in Hamilton that did exactly what you said. They they dug like a trench and he unearthed half of the roots and then lowered it in there, covered it with boards, covered it with soil. And he had the fig trees about five in his backyard for years. And every spring Mm -hmm. they would bring them up and prop them up (laughs) with some like a two by four and they would produce figs. Oh, yeah. They're almost like family heirlooms. You just keep these things for years. Yeah. <laughs> or or so you like to tell your family. <laughs> <laughs> it's an heirloom. <laughs> yeah, this is your inheritance, children. <laughs> uh, I, I do think one of my kids is interested in inheriting my figs when I'm done with them, but that's another story. Oh, yeah, no, I know. You have very um you have a great supportive family. I'm joking when I when I'm saying all this. So Fabulous. you know I was I was Charlie, I was just I know we have a couple of callers mm-hmm. on the line, so mm-hmm. um I was just thinking that maybe we would try our first caller there. We have Diana from Mississauga mm-hmm. and just see what she's got there. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diana. Good morning. Thanks a lot for the, taking the call. Morning. What do you got there, Diana? Um, I had a... when it, uh, Doing my cleanup in the vegetable garden last fall, I generally dig it up a little bit, and I have all the leaves that I've collected and ground up with my little grinder upper thing. Um, Mm. And when I was digging in there, I noticed what apparently is called a jumping worm. Oh, no. And and I've heard recently that this is some infestation that could be bad for the garden, and I'm just wondering, what do we know about it and what do we do about it? Uh, Catch it. Do not leave it in your garden. If you see one jumping worm, any jumping worms, bag them, jar them. Jarring is probably, I mean, they, they're very, fa- you're for sure it was a jumping worm, like it was all twisting and, and jumping around? Oh, yeah, it was going berserk. I, I have mm. some stepping stones in the garden, so I took it and I just put it on the stepping stone there and it was jumping yeah. around and wriggling and... Oh dear. Yeah, so they are an invasive worm. All worms are actually, but it, they're a highly invasive worm that can wreak havoc. Speaking of soil, they can wreak havoc by eating all the organic material very quickly in your soil and leaving it bereft of nutrient and quality materials. So best thing you'd want to do, you were in Mississauga, um, you don't want to chop it up or even attempt to kill it because they can, uh, they are amazing. They don't need a couple to have babies. They are um, able to produce offspring on their own. So bagging or jarring, and then believe it or not, you want to get a hold of your Canadian Food Inspection Agency, CFIA, and to tell them what you have found. They may want that specimen for their records, but they, this is a newly arrived. Stephen, have you run into the jumping worms at all? 
I haven't run into them at all, but I did have one other thought too, is that if you think it might be that, then don't share plant material with friends because it'll move, mm-hmm. they can move with the soil. And right. so if you have them, don't be digging up plants and, and giving them to friends and neighbors because then there's the chance that they'll, they'll get them too. Right. Yeah, because it came, it probably came in the soil. They do die every winter, but they lay eggs in the fall. And their eggs and the cocoons that come after the eggs are so tiny. They're almost microscopic. It's very hard to see in in the soil. Um, and then they hatch in the spring. So be vigilant this spring, Diana, uh, particularly in that area where you saw. And like I said, it's likely that that jumping worm came into your garden in some soil from purchased or or shared um, plants, small you know starter plants, whatever. So yeah, right. don't give any of your soil away and don't move any plants to your cottage or anything like that. You want to keep that as a very controlled infestation if that's what it is. Um, but yeah, the, it's not a, yeah something to be very aware of. And like I said, they've been moving north. They've uh, originally from Southeast Asia, but moving up from the United States. Oh, so there's no way that you can put a spray or anything on the garden to get rid of the larvae? Like, would uh, uh, nematodes work? Huh. Good question. Not sure. It would be a specific nematode, because their nematodes are very specific. Um, if there isn't one now, there will be soon, because there's there'll be a very big effort to try and control this particular animal. Um, but at this point, no, I don't think there's anything. But I, I'll check into that, if you like, Diane, and see if I can report anything back. Okay. All right. Well, thanks All right. for, thanks the for information. your information. I know it's new, so it's hard to find anything, you know, decisive mm-hmm. on what to do or where to go or what. Well, stay on top of Ag Canada, so Agriculture Canada, um, and also stay on top of the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food, because that is very much in their bailiwick and something that they're very much concerned about. So also there's a great website, InvasiveSpecies.com, and it covers off plants, fish, um, insects, and so there'll be there will be good information coming along as this becomes a bigger issue. So yeah, we'll we'll stay on top of it as well. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much for, for the call, expertise. Diana. Have a great afternoon. Uh, thank you. Thank you as well. Thank you. Going to give out the numbers again. We have Stephen uh, Biggs with us, who is an expert on fig growing in Ontario and lemon growing in Ontario and all sorts of edibles. Uh, we would love for you to give us a call, uh, certainly with any question, but especially if you have a question for Stephen, because we're lucky enough to have him on the show today. Uh, the number is to call 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. And Stephen, I have to tell you, I did visit your website uh, last week. And uh, there was one, well, you have lots of different places that you can look at for different seeds and how to grow nut trees and all sorts of stuff. But I am a foodie and I got very excited about the fig leaf panna cotta recipe. Oh. Oh, I'm glad you found that. That's one of my favorites. Oh, and I am like so keen to make that. 
But then I thought, where the heck am I going to get fig leaves? So, and then you even address that, you know, you would sort of, you can, you say how you can freeze them. I just want you to know that I really actually did dig deep into your website, which is, <laughs> hey. uh, which is foodgardenlife.com. But that I was not expecting to see that on your website. So what you do is you can freeze the fig leaves in the fall. And I actually made fig leaf panna cotta a week ago. And it's even <sighs> better when you freeze the leaves because the flavor comes out even more. I've never had it in my life and I so want to make it. So I'm going to, I might have to just drive down to your house and just steal in the leaves. door and say, come for some frozen fig leaves. Absolutely. If anybody's wondering, by the way, you don't actually eat the leaf, but you extract the flavor from it. Somewhere in between, yeah. I'd say between coconut and toasted almond. It's really good. Oh, it just wow. looks glorious. Looks Sounds glorious. great. Yeah. Okay, so we actually lost uh, Hazel uh, on the line. We're hoping maybe she'll call back. She had a big question, I think. But we do have John on the line. And uh, welcome to the Garden Show, John. How are you doing today? Good morning, Bean. I'm fine, thank you. Good morning, Charlie. And good morning, the other gentleman, because I forgot his name already. So Steve. John, yeah, Steve. Um, in the, uh, as Charlie knows, I have a few fig trees, right? But I never had luck with fig trees. Uh, a few years ago, I had one, and it died on me. Now I was uh, in the States, to be honest with you, and I got a couple of seons. And it's only a piece of, like, you know, um, can I start this uh, from a couple pieces of seons? Yeah, so uh, my understanding, right, you have a, a cutting now that you're going to root? I have a cutting, yes, right? if it's called that, yes. Yeah, It's a small absolutely. piece, you know, maybe, what, um, six inches by quarter-inch thick. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's hardwood. You can root that. And the great thing about figs, John, is that those pieces of branch, those cuttings, they Uh root quite easily. And um, you can do it now. You can do it during the summer. You can do it at different times of year, but they root easily. So a couple of things to keep in mind. If, If the soil is warmed from the bottom, that helps. So if you use a heat mat. Or, or if you put it somewhere where it's warm underneath, that can speed it up. So okay. that's really good. Um, the other thing I'd say, too, is I don't know if you're familiar with the little insect pest, the fungus gnat. It's, it's those little, they look like fruit flies. You get them on a lot of house plants. But they, uh-huh. love, they love the tender roots on young fig cuttings. So I tend to do my fig cuttings away from all my other house plants. And, and then I don't have to worry about these fungus gnats. And then okay. the other thing that I do is when I'm rooting a fig cutting, I just do it in a little flower pot in, in potting soil. But yes. I'll put a yeah. clear plastic bag over top to keep the humidity high. And I do that until it started to grow roots. And then once it grows roots, I remove that bag. So humidity, heat from the bottom, and and keep them away from fungus gnats. Those are some top tips, and and you'll find it'll root quite easily. Okay, so uh, so I said because I I got some soil yesterday from outside from the garden, so that it's better with potting soil. Then can I put yes. it in the garden? Because I, what I did, I I got two cans, you know, I don't know, uh, two cans, and um, and I was gonna put the root feeder, right? I scrape it maybe at the bottom. No, I don't have to do that. Uh, so and that, what my question then is, can I use the soil instead of potting soil? 
I would recommend potting soil. And the reason is that okay. garden soil is heavier. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's heavier, so there's, it, it's not got as much air in it. It's harder for young roots. But also there's more possible disease organisms in there. So garden okay. soil is great for growing outdoors. But when we're doing something like a cutting or a seed, having more disease organisms is not good. So for mm-hmm. that reason, I'd say potting soil, you'll have more chance of success. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, yeah, John. Thanks hey, for the call thanks. there, John. Take care, John, guys. Take care. Uh, He's full of questions. That man is quite the gardener. <laughs> now, we have, uh, we have Hazel back on the line, so uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Hazel. Oh, good morning. Thank you. I heard uh, Stephen's answer earlier on and um, Charlie last week. My my uh, question. I just want to double check. Now that the um, the plant is now quite tall, and I have about twelve, fourteen inches of green stem and leaves. Um, what will happen to it next? You know, next spring, or what do I do with it now? Charlie did say put it in a cooler area, but what will happen to that new growth? Oh, it's a good question, Hazel. So. You might be able to put it somewhere cool and get it to go dormant at this point. However, if it's still growing and you don't have somewhere cool, my recommendation would be to put it somewhere bright. Because what you don't want is for it to be somewhere very dim and just to get lanky growth, weak growth. Right. So I do have a garage in a cold room. Mm-hmm. So I can, and does your how cold does your garage get? Is it does it get as cold as the outdoors, or is it moderated a little bit? Um, I guess it's moderate. It seems cold to me, but everything does. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's moderate. It's covered. It's attached to the house. Mm-hmm. If it's what attached about to the, the house, cold room. Yeah, and cold room. Um, so I should say some cold rooms work well some are a little bit too warm so um i have a friend with a farmhouse this cold room is great but if you talk to people with centrally heated homes sometimes a cold room isn't really cold it's just a bit cool and and in that case the fig might not go dormant so So the garage is better i think your garage is better or as i said the other option is if you do have somewhere bright where you can get good growth you can keep it growing there's um, what you want to avoid is having it grow and there be dim light because then you just get this lanky growth that uh, yes. doesn't produce as many figs and you get a weak plant. So you need a su- southern window or a western window so the plants can go right in the window. Mm. What about the garden shed? Oh, well, now you're back to dormant. Yeah, if you want to go dormant, like Stephen said, cool is going to go dormant. You're going to drop the leaves. And and I think if, depending on what size, you said it's about two feet tall. What size pot is that plant in? Um, I would say a 12-inch 12, 12 pot. Oh, it's in a huge pot. Okay, I thought it was in a smaller pot. Um, yeah, so up to you. Can, can, can convince it to go dormant in a cool spot or keep it as a houseplant in a bright, sunny spot. But either way, it's going to wake up in the spring, and 
you're going to have it outside growing as a phenomenal tree and you'll be calling or contacting Stephen by July <laughs> saying, what am I going to do with all the figs that are on my tree? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll get figs. So, Hazel, the, the key, key thing, Hazel, if you choose to get it to go dormant somewhere cool, just remember that it has to be a bit moderated. It can't be as cold as outside. So if it's a garage, your garage sounds good because it's attached to the house. If it's a shed... Here in Toronto, you probably want to use an insulated shed. Just a little tin shed in your backyard probably won't cut it if we get minus 20. Mm, okay. You never so know. Sounds like thanks. the best option. Thanks, okay. Hazel. Yeah, thanks for the call there, Hazel. Yeah. Uh, we have thanks, to go Hazel. to a uh, short break, but we'll be back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back on The Garden Show, and we are pressed for time, so we're going to go right to our next caller. We have Diane on the line from Dorchester. Welcome to The Garden Show, Diane. Thanks, Dean and Charlie, for having Stephen on. Stephen, I've had a, a rhubarb patch. We moved to Dorchester in 2000, and I had had the rhubarb out in Lambeth uh, for several years. It was doing incredibly well. They were really old plants to start with, and they uh, traveled well, and for... Up until the last two years, I've had plentiful rhubarb for us to have during the winter, and then friends gave me uh, some more of their rhubarb plants, which were old. They all survived the first year. Last year, I was lucky uh, when I thought it was safe enough to be able to pull some rhubarb to be able to even get possibly two cups. And then wow. it just, the new plants, they all died off. And um, and um, I've taken Charlie's advice. Every every fall, um, when the plants have died down, I I don't pull them after oh the beginning of September, uh, you know, to let them be strong for the winter. And I cover them. I was doing it with cow manure before, but now I've been using um, uh, sheep manure. And uh, 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 and we do we're not here all the time, so we do rely on the rain, but. My one grandson was watering them for us. I don't know what we did mm -hmm. wrong. I'm so disappointed. Oh, that is disappointing, Diane. Well, it's good to hear that you're giving them sheep manure because with rhubarb, one of the things that can really help with success is a well-amended soil, so lots of compost or manure. So that's good. And I, I wonder, you said it's an old patch. Is that right, Diane? Yes, uh, gee, uh, the the roots that we got originally, they probably were close to 20 years. The gentleman used to take it to the garden um, center or the market in London, and uh, I liked his rhubarb. He used to buy it, and he said, well, would you like some? And I said, mm -hmm. yes, and it was nice, bright, and it was sweet. And the one that my friends gave us, I think it was the strawberry one, nice, always nice and bright red, and... Um, uh, and this is within a, it's on a, inside a north fence. We do have two cedar trees a little bit to the, to the east of it within the same patch. Hmm. Um, so you want, with rhubarb, full sun is best. It'll take partial sun, but you'll have best results in full sun. 
And if you have competition from roots, I'm really glad you mentioned the cedar because I know I have a, a neighbor who's commiserated with me many times about uh, rhubarb challenges and he's got a willow tree near his rhubarb and it just doesn't do well with that mm. root competition. So you want full sun, no root competition from nearby trees and bushes. You want well amended soil. And I have a, a long established patch, Diane, that's really dense. And so I actually go in there in the fall and I'll dig out chunks of my rhubarb patch and, and fill that with nice rich soil. And, and that helps to rejuvenate an old patch. So if, if it looks really dense in your rhubarb patch, that's one other thing you can do. Okay. I didn't yeah, know yeah, I was just going to dig everything all up and start all over with getting some newer plants. But uh, I, did, I did go to our garden center and I had bought some new plants. And maybe it is the root competition because they didn't yeah. survive either. Yeah, right. I have a strong yeah. suspicion because cedar roots are a nightmare for a lot of plants. There's just so much competition, they suck out all the moisture. So I think about that. Maybe a different spot without root competition would be a good way to start. Thank you so much, and it's been so interesting. Charlie and Dean are so good to the for our listeners getting the speakers on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Diane. Thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks. thanks so much, Diane. Yeah, that was a good point, Stephen. I think I think there's nothing wrong with her plants. I think it's her location. <clears throat> might even be too soggy. Maybe they're what like with all that amending and and some shade, it might just be a bit of a soggy spot, and they're rotting those uh, mm -hmm. little rhubarb plants. So um, unfortunately, we can't just keep blathering on for another hour as much as we'd like to. So I just, Stephen, I want to really thank you for joining us. You're going to have to come back soon. Obviously, the listeners have loved having you on. In the meantime, they can always contact you, foodgardenlife.com. Mm -hmm. You and Emma are very busy in the edible plant business. And, of course, this is um, we're coming up to your season. So uh, anybody's got up. questions, and they should, anybody's shouldn't hesitate. If anybody's interested in fig stuff without having to buy a fig book, I have a free fig guide on the website. So if anybody's, if I've piqued your interest in figs, go check that out because you can do it. And there's many ways you can do it in a cold climate. It's fun. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so and much, also, Stephen. Yeah. And also just so people know that this show will be rebroadcast always on our podcast. So that's a simple um, going to AM 740 to see the podcast or listen to this podcast or any of your favorite podcast providers. We are out there, the garden show. The other thing is this show will also be rebroadcast during the regular time, 9 a.m. on Saturday, February 17th, when I will be out of the country. So lots of opportunities to hear the show again. Thanks again, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week. Thanks, Ash. You couldn't do any of this without you. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.